Awesome. Merry Christmas Eve Eve. I love that. A lot of Eves going on. We are still in our sermon series, Vineyard. Um, easily one of my top ser- favorite sermon series of my life, Vineyard. In preparing for the sermon series and in laying out all the different weeks that were going to be happening, and we have a creative team that we, we pray together and talk through just different ideas of the sermons. And we're talking through the seven aspects of a vineyard. And it's all chronological of what happens in a vineyard. And, and this whole sermon series is based on illustrating out a vineyard as a believer's life. That's really all this sermon series is. And it just so happened in the chronological order of aspects of what happens in a vineyard, um, that place is today to be pruning day in a vineyard, which is very awkward to preach on, especially on the Christmas Sunday. And uh, we were all sitting there and the creative team and Janelle started laughing and she, she quickly mapped it all out. She's like, let's see how this is going to work. <laughs> Pruning in a vineyard on Christmas Sunday. Yeah. Doesn't really make sense. All right. Um, it, it does. After spending time with God and me, me sitting in my prayer time and going, God, you know what? I, I think we might, maybe we should just forego this this what you've given me. Maybe we should just do that later on. We'll do that next week, God. And God said, so you're telling me what I told you to preach on isn't good enough? And I was like, okay, God said, I'll preach on it. And in doing so, in the prep time, God started revealing so many aspects out of this, the Greek words of what they actually relate to, and, and seeing aspects of how Christmas is filtered down into pruning. It's really, it's really interesting. In a vineyard, the three to five year mark, so when a vineyard begins, when it's three years in to five years, it has to have two things happen. It's critical to happen. One is the vine dresser. The, the gardener has to be pruning the vines. Has to. And second, has to prepare for what's to come. Preparing is next week, which is so awesome because it lands on our last sermon of the year, preparing for the next year. But today, it's, it's about pruning. And I was really reflecting on, on today with Christmas Sunday. Christmas, one of the major aspects that we celebrate Christmas of what we're doing is it's the tangible evidence that God is in control. God sent Jesus to this earth, and that is the tangible evidence that God's in control of this whole thing. And this, this sermon today is all about the gardener, vine dresser, being in control. It's not really up to the vine of what to prune off. It's really up to the vine dresser. It's up to the gardener. It's up to the, the person in charge to say, you know what, this needs to be worked on. This needs to be cut. This needs to be whatever. The vine never once picks itself up and says, oh, you know what, let me deal with this right now. That would be really weird. I'm, I'm immediately thinking of, uh, what's, the, what's the musical? Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> Little shop? Okay, yeah. So if anyone's seen that, I guess not. That's okay. <laughs> John chapter 15, 2 says this. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Even more fruitful. There's a lot of destruction going on in this verse. There's cutting off. There's pruning. It's not really an encouraging Christmas. Hey, guess what? Merry Christmas. Let's cut some stuff. I thought this was interesting. So I went to the Greek on this. I want to know what the exact words were being said in this. And then I wanted to look at the context of what was happening in a vineyard 2,000 years ago. It was wildly just entertaining for me to dive into this research and then just blew my mind. So he cuts off. He cuts off. That, that word cuts off is arrow. Arrow. It, it literally means to lift up and give special attention to. Airplane means lifting up, taking away, taking flight. And it's really, it's really interesting because this word arrow has two definitions. It means to lift up and pay special attention to is the main aspect of the definition. And the second aspect definition is to take away. So in looking at that, I was like, well, so that's interesting because my Bible says it cuts off. It cuts off. That's how it's translated into the English. But in the Greek, it's to lift up, to prop up. So I looked at that verse and I was like, well, how many times is this in the New Testament? Is this, is this word more than just here? Is this elsewhere in the Bible? Turns out it appears 110 times oftenly from Jesus's mouth. Verses include, pick up your mat. He's literally saying, arrow your mat. It's saying, pay special attention to by lifting this up. When, when the man couldn't walk and he was paralyzed, Jesus said, you're healed, get up, pick up your mat. That same word is being used in this vineyard. And, and the crazy, so then I started looking at, so what was a vine dresser's job in regards to pruning 2,000 years ago? Because maybe we don't have the same things going on because technology is different, you know? So I looked it up, and a vine dresser, this is crazy. So a vine dresser 2,000 years ago, whenever he would find a vine that was down on the ground, covered in dirt, separated away, he would lift it up delicately, dust it off, and start connecting it to the intertwining branches of the vines around it so that the other branches would be able to support it, lift it off the ground. It was to literally give special attention to lifting up. The where we get cut away from is cutting away from the ground that wants to consume it. So that if you lift it up to start bearing fruit, because when the branch is on the ground, it's covered in dirt, and we're going to get to that later, but it can't produce the fruit that it's meant to produce when it's covered on the ground. It has to be cut away from the ground, lifted up, given special attention to, and intertwined into the branches next to it. And that's what God is saying. This is, this is what I mean. This is what I want to do to you. You might not be producing fruit right now, and it hurts. You might feel dirty and dusty and just on the ground and you look up and you see everyone else platform doing wonderful in this time of year, Christmas, and you're like, I just want some of that. And Jesus is saying, that's what I'm trying to do. I want to lift you up right now. 
and I want to connect you. It's really interesting. I don't want to jump too far ahead of my message. So, point number one. What happens when we take control? This message is all about control. The, the, the vine, the branch that fell to the ground, it fell because it thought it could support itself and it fell to the ground. Back then, uh, vines, they only were able to stay up when they were interconnected with others and they had a strong root system. We learned this in the last couple weeks. But when they're not connected and when they think that they are in control and they can do everything else on their own, they will fall to the ground or, or connect it. When we feel like we, we can do everything ourselves, when we got this all together, I don't need other people, I don't need God in this, I can just do it. I'll just take care of it myself. This is, this is the illustration of what happens. We trip, we fall. What happens when we take control just like the vine? A, we fall down. When you try to place everything in control in your life, you will have less control than when you started. I just promise you. When you try to have all complete control of your children doing everything they want to do, you'll get some of it. Sometimes you'll just get frustrated and they'll get frustrated with you. We fall down. The, the illustration of this vine falling into the dirt is the same aspect of when we try to take control into our lives, this is what happens. It's, it's interesting. B, what happens when we take control? We force growth that isn't fruitful. Going back to that, that first verse, John 15, too, he cuts away every branch in me that bears no fruit. He cuts off, he cuts, that means he's lifting it up and reconnecting it so it will bear fruit. And then the second aspect says, well, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. That's specifically talking to one aspect in gardens. Have you ever seen a tree when it grows those little tiny weird like saplings or suckers or sprouts they're like growing on the side of it you're like what are these did you know those are little tiny modules that grow out that are stealing the nutrients from the roots to the main branch things that are stealing the nutrients away so that that thing cannot produce the full fruit that it wants to produce likewise in our lives when god is speaking to us and giving us the nutrients to live and breathe and be successful, be, be fruitful, and all of the other things, right? There are little things that want to steal that away. And you know what's weird? Sometimes we let them because we're like, I don't see the fruit yet, and it's kind of fruitful. I'm seeing something, and we just let it keep going. But in reality, it's stealing the future fruit that you will have. What happens when we take control? We force growth that isn't fruitful. <clears throat> have you ever, um, I know it's like Ventura, but I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. Um, have you ever gotten your car stuck in mud? Yeah. Anyone experienced that? Kinda, not really? A little bit? Somewhat, okay. Um, it's like the worst feeling. 
when you're driving and then you, you pull off, uh, I grew up in Oregon, so there's lots of mud and lots of dirt and lots of rain. You pull off on a field and you park there for a little bit and all of a sudden you get back to your car and you start it and you put it in drive and you give it some gas and you're like, I'm not going anywhere. You know, and, and there's two schools of thought when you're stuck in mud, right? There's the person that it might be the first time. She's like, more gas. <laughs> you know, and just spinning the wheels, going nowhere. But really, the trick is just lightly testing it, just so you get the rock going. And then eventually, you get over that little bump, and then you can go. And then you have momentum. A lot of times in our lives, we try spinning our wheels so fast, trying to produce fake fruit that's not going to work. But in reality, we have to go slow and rely on God and trust that he is in control. But when we are not in control, we spin our wheels. And see, what happens when we take control? We gain anxiety. Awesome. It's great. This whole sermon is on control. Do we allow God to take control of our lives or do we take control? Because when we are in control, I looked up anxiety. It's crazy. Did you know the number one reason people have anxiety is because they feel like they're not in control and they try to be in control and then they get this anxiety because they're not in control. And God is saying you need to give him control, but that doesn't make sense because wouldn't that cause anxiety? No, because when we're in control ourselves, we're not really in control. But when we say, God, <laughs> you take it. I'm out. You be in control of my life. I, I need you to be in control. I know this is going to be good or bad, but you're in control of it. All right? This might fail. It might succeed, but you're in control. All of a sudden, it's like relief just washes over you as anxiety just peels away. While you are at Christmas time. There will be moments when you are not in control. These are the moments that you can choose. Do I want to have anxiety or do I want to just have joy from God? Those are the moments you can say, God, this isn't happening the way I want it to happen. But you know what? You're in control. All of a sudden, you will start feeling joy come over you. Just get rid of your anxiety by letting God have control. Number two, place growth in God's hands. Place growth in God's hands. So two things this, this original verse talks about. Let's read it one more time. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will have ev be even more fruitful. Point number two is all about those little tiny saplings. Okay, so it's the, the, the growth, the, that aspect. Little tiny growth happens on vineyards and trees. We talked about them. We understand it. We got it. A, your future will be prosperous when you place growth in the hands of God. Number two, when you relinquish control of the growth in your life to God, the first thing you see is A, your future will be prosperous. How do we know this? Job 8, 7 says, your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will be your future. 
will your future be? When you allow God to be in control of all your situations and how you grow, there's a promise that God is going to prosper your future. And it's frustrating because sometimes our beginnings don't look great. You know, your beginnings will seem humble. That's just a nice way of saying you're going to have a rocky start sometimes. But your future will be prosperous when the growth is in God's hands. Place the control in God's hands. B, your attitude will be joy-filled. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I don't know about you, but have you ever started like a project or something or a new job? And all of a sudden, it's like not what you thought it was. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's hard. And it's just like the worst feeling in the world when you're just like, ugh. You know, I thought this was going to be something else. God says, don't despise it. This is where you start. There's no promise that you're going to be perfect right off the get-go. God's promise is the rejoicing that happens. He is so excited that you just said, yes, I will start. That's the best part. When God's like, I'm not after you being perfect when you start. I'm after you being excited that you're starting. See, when you place growth in God's hands, your faith will start humble. Your faith will start humble. Luke chapter 2, verse 7 And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Please keep this in mind. We do not start our faith knowing everything. Okay? Don't be jealous that someone knows more than you or has a faith. That just means they went through more than you did. Be happy that you didn't. <laughs> God can speak to you through them. Man, I, I, I want to unpack this one a little bit more. Your faith will start humble. God gives you a little bit at a time. Because if, if you had to jump into the deep end of faith and trust and all this, You'd, you might not survive it. God only gives us what he knows we can handle. It doesn't mean that, you know, tomorrow you need to go up and do this and that because you saw someone else. No, your faith is your faith, and it starts how it starts, okay? Jesus started on this planet in a manger, this great aroma of the animals, <laughs> And all the stuff they're doing, that's how he started. And I think it embodies and illustrates how we start in our faith sometimes. We're surrounded by all kinds of stink, you know, not too many people around us, but we grow from there. This, this innocent baby in a manger will soon be the name above all other names 
that can stomp on any devil, any enemy, anything. He is the most powerful, most strong, everything. And this is how he starts. Just think where you are starting now. doesn't matter how long you've been in this faith. Where you're at right now is only the beginning. And it's going up from there. Your faith will start humble. Number three, what happens when we place control in the hands of God? The first one was our faith. It was growth, those kind of things, the beginning aspects. But what happens when we place control in God's hands? A, I talked about it earlier, lifted from dirt. Lifted from dirt. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This verse is directly applying to the vine dresser lifting up this vine out of dirt, saying whatever situation of life you are in, dirt representing sin, chaos, all the stuffs, lifting you up, I have my hands underneath you supporting you. I am lifting you up. This Christmas, this year to come, I want you to envision that saying, God, I, I give you control because I can't lift myself up out of this stuff. Only you can lift me up out of it. Only you can lift me up out of it. Something um, I want to do... Uh, uh, kind of a creative exercise right now. Can, can everyone close their eyes? And I want you to picture yourself as this vine. Just in your mind, picture yourself as a vine sitting on the ground and all the things that are covering over you, just weighing you down. All the little things, all the nuances, all the, all the things you got to cook, all the things, the overwhelming whatevers, the people that annoy you, whatever it might be, that is weighing you down from sitting up in the air, the careers that we have with the frustrations from others. Would you just picture that? I want to ask Nakia if she would just lead out in the first part of um, I Surrender. Perfect song for today. Perfect song. And I want you to imagine that as, as she leads out just on that opening, I surrender, that you picture God's hands coming up underneath you and lifting you up and you visualizing all these things falling off of you and being reconnected up. God, just in, in the middle of this sermon right now, you're ministering to us. 
let things fall off of us. As you take such care lifting up this vine to be reconnected, it represents us. You're lifting us up. Let things fall away from our lives as we move into this new year. Let this gift of you being in control and anxiety falling off of us be one of the most wonderful presents we open. In your name. Lift it up. B, the second thing that happens when we place control in the hands of God is be linked to others linked to others. The, the, the vine, when it's lifted up, the vine dresser picks it up, is number one. He gives special attention and lifts it up. But then the second aspect is he actually has to physically intertwine it to the branches around it. It represents how God knits us into the community of, of church, into relationships. It's not good enough that God would just lift us up because if he lets go, we fall right back down. There's so many times we see, I, I've seen young people go up to summer camps and I see God lifting them up out of the dirt and despair. And then they're not intertwined into community. And then they fall right back in. It's, it's one of the craziest experiences to see Young people get so on fire for Jesus, but they don't get knit into community, and then they just go back. And I think it happens to all of us of all ages. We have to be lifted up by God, but we have to allow God to be in control of knitting us into community, being vulnerable, saying, you know what? Yeah, let's spend life together. Let's do that. Romans 14, 19 says, so then we pursue the things which make for peace and for the building up of one another. We need to pursue that. And C. C is life from sun. In, in reading about these vine dressers, it was really unique. They were lifting up these vines because they were covered in dust, and so they're unable to absorb the sunlight that was hitting them. So they weren't growing. They weren't taking in the nutrients. That Nothing was working. So when the, the vine dresser lifts them up and knits them, they were able to start absorbing the sun, and then they were able to start producing fruit because they were supported in the air. It's really interesting. When they were lifted up, and when all these things fell away, it allowed time under the sun in our lives. Have you ever been surrounded by so much things and junk and stuff that you lack the attention that you should be spending with the Son of God? And you just, you're just not fruitful. You're just missing out left and right because you don't have enough time to spend before the sun. That's, that's what this, this parallel in a vineyard is just crazy. James 4, 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Life from son. Those are, that's what happens when we place control in the hands of God. We're lifted up, we're linked to others, and we have life from the son of God.
Amen? Amen. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray.